Well, good morning. How are we doing? I want to welcome everybody here in Waukesha, Pewaukee, watching online. Uh, my name is Garrett. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I work primarily with high school and college-age students, uh, and I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. I'm eager um, about this message. We're continuing our Recalibrate series um, in week two, uh, and, and we're going to be talking about this idea of remembrance. Does anybody here have a good memory? They feel like they have a good, a solid memory. Anybody like, no, easily forgetting names and people, whatever. Yeah, more hands, more hands are up for that. I think I'm 50-50. I think I'm a fair balance of like I can remember some things, but I'm also forgetful of, of certain areas. The one area that I, like, I am forgetting all the time is when my wife Kaylee sends me to the grocery store to get things. And if I don't have a list, I'm done. I'm done for. I'll walk in the middle of the aisle and I'll just stare. And I need it like detailed. I need, I need brands. I need sizes. I need the price that we should be focusing on here. Or else I'll just stare for like 10 minutes, having a panic attack, freaking out. I don't know what to buy. And then I come home. And maybe other guys do this too, but I've got like all the bags on my arms and I'm acting as if I just traveled through the Amazon and like slayed a dragon to bring her home the groceries. And I walk in, right? And it's like, hello, my wife, I have brought in you the goods from pick and save. I am your knight in shining coupons. And it's... And it's everything that we don't need and nothing that she asked for is what I brought home. It's, it's terrible. But that is where I kind of lose, lose, lose focus and, and can become forgetful. And I think as we look at this series, Recalibrate, and how we can recalibrate through worship, turn ourselves back to God, get pointed in the right direction, I think the act of remembrance is key remembering who God is, what that means for us. And I think so many of us, whether we're good at remembering names or anniversaries or birthdays, at some point we have become forgetful of God. Famous theologian and author Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, the devil doesn't fill us with hatred for God, but with forgetfulness of God. The devil doesn't, doesn't try to fill us with hatred but with forgetfulness of God. You know, the first question ever asked in the Bible came from the devil, and it was to Adam and Eve in Genesis in the garden, and he says, did God really say that? His goal, his objective is to convince us and persuade us that whatever God has said or done for us isn't true and make us forget about the God that we serve but I refuse to let him be victorious in this area. This is why we need to be people of remembrance. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we, we are here expectant and eager and ready for whatever it is that you have in store for us this morning. God, so would you open our, our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to learn, and our hearts to receive what you have to speak to us. We ask that you would speak. Your servants are listening. We love you, God. In your name, amen. So we're going to be in Joshua is where we're going to be camping out uh, this morning, starting in, in Joshua chapter 4. And Israel does this thing uh, to acknowledge and remember God. So we're going to be in Joshua chapter 4, starting in verse 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. 
Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan. Take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. And so they lay these stones and, and, and they build this altar of remembrance for God. The first point I have for you this morning is the literal stones. The literal stones. Israel literally laid stones, led by their leader, Joshua. Joshua took place from Moses, who was the prophet leading the people of Israel. Joshua steps in to lead the people, and and he's taking them into the promised land, the place that God has given them, the place that God has promised them. And they've got a journey through that. The beginning of this journey, they're going to have to pass the Jordan River. And they lay these stones to remember what God had done. This is a literal, practical way for them to remember God. So what are ways that we, I want to challenge you, what are ways that we can literally, practically remember God? You should have gotten a stone when you walked in this morning. If you did not get a stone, make sure, raise your hand. We want to get a stone in your hand. We want, we want to get you a stone. I want you to have this throughout the message. I want you to take it home with you. So get your hands up and we will, we will give you a stone. I want to make sure, hold those up. The ushers are coming forward. They'll give you a stone. But, but, they, but they did this to literally practically do something, to remember God. So what are ways that we can do that? Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's setting your alarm 15 minutes early. Say, hey, every morning I'm getting in the word. I got to remember what God's doing in my life. I'm going I'm 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 to make sure. Hey, maybe I'm going to leave work early so that I can just pray in my car. Maybe I got to switch the radio station and I'm going to listen to a different song. I'm going to listen to, to a, a worship playlist, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe it's going to bed, getting in bed 15 minutes earlier uh, and, and reading before you go to bed and just kind of spending time with God, reflecting on your day, thanking him for being there throughout your day. Maybe it's, maybe it's putting sticky notes throughout the house, whatever. Put it on the mirror, put it in the bathroom, put it on your closet, whatever, and have these sticky notes, little reminders from God. Hey, you're awesome. Hey, I love you. Hey, you're going to do great today. Hey, God's with you. Hey, God's for you. Hey, go, go do great things in the name of Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe do something creative. Go outside. Get into nature. Spend some time in God's creation. Spend some time in community with people. Maybe it's committing to being here and saying, I'm going to be there Saturday night or Sunday morning. I'm going to be here for the remainder of this Recalibrate series so I can learn how to worship God, how I can get myself back on track with God. Whatever that is for you, do something creative, color, draw, I don't care, get a tattoo or something. Do something to remember. Some people are like, whoa, what? No. Um, Do something to remember God this week. That's what that stone's for. I want you to keep that with you. Put it by your bed. Keep it in your car. And every time you look at it, be like, man, May I remember God through this. May I remember what God has done in my life. See, but these stones that Israel laid, they, 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 rec- they, they represented so much more than just rocks. They weren't just rocks for no purpose. They represented God and what he was doing in their lives in that specific moment. We have this thing that we do in worship, some of us. Um, when it comes to singing, we do something with our hands. Y'all know what I'm you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So we're gonna, I'm going to teach you guys some of the proper worship hand motions um, in order to kind of better, you know, get into this whole recalibrate series. So the first one, some of you, you guys may have seen this. Uh, it's, it's just right here. You keep it light. Keep it, you guys can practice these if you want while you're sitting there. Um, you could do these throughout the series. But this is just light. You know what I mean? You hold it right here. We call this one carrying the TV. It's just right in here. It's just holding it. Sometimes you could bring it out. That's carrying the couch. Okay, so you go TV, couch. TV, couch, TV, couch, pivot, right? 
a few people get that. Uh, the hands can come up here, right? And they come up here. That's a weird one, but I've seen it. You know, it's, just, it's not weird, right? You're, you're just kind of here. You're ready to receive. I'm ready to just receive, God. I call that one Gray's Anatomy, right? You wash the hands, got the gloves on, let's go. It's time for surgery. Come on. It's time for, God's going to do some surgery on you. That's what it is, right? I'm ready. I'm ready for it, all right? Then, then you see this one. It's just a hand up. It's simple. It's, we all, you know, hey, just let me, that's the kid in class, all right? That's just, hey, kid, in, I got a question. I, you could switch. Don't do that. That's weird. Um, it's, but it's just one. It, sometimes you go to both. But this is like next level, okay? I'm, none, you guys don't have to try this, but this is like next level, super supreme, like worshipers. They go both. They just shoot up. That's the kick is good. You know what I mean? It's just, hey, the kick is good, and so is Jesus, right? We're going we're gonna to hold it up high. That's both of them. And then the next, this last one is, is kind of they get to do it up here. They've got more stage to work with. If you guys try this one, you may smack somebody, so you can't. But if you just go wide, I mean, you just send it out. You may hit somebody. That's okay, right? You're worshiping. That's all right. Morgan told me this one's called Titanic. You just you hold it up here. It's God's king of the world, right? And you, you just kind of. I like to call that one Red Rover. I just, maybe swing the hands a bit. Red Rover, Red Rover. Send Jesus on over. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh my gosh, (laughs) what are we doing? What's going on? All right, hey, you you guys can implement these. You can practice these throughout the series. But here's the deal. What we're doing in worship is not just for the sake of, I'm gonna throw my hands up right now. It's a sign for that person, right? Because whatever you do with your hands doesn't make you a, a better Christian or a better worshiper. It's for that person what God's doing in their lives in that moment. And that's the same thing for these stones. When they laid these stones, it was to represent God doing something greater. It was to represent something bigger. Which leads me to my second point, which is the living stones. These stones were literally placed, but they represented the living stones, Joshua, right, is leading the people of Israel into the promised land. And before they can do that, they've got to cross the Jordan. And so they, they stay at the edge of the Jordan preparing to cross. And this is what Joshua says to his people. We're going to jump back before they lay the stones. This is what it says, chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. There's two words that I want to focus on here. Joshua uses, he says the word consecrate and the word wonders. That first word, consecrate. Say consecrate. Turn to your neighbor, say consecrate. The Hebrew word there is kadash. Can you guys add a little phlegm? It's kadash. Kalash, right? That would have, that, this word would have been used to describe ceremonial cleansing um, or, or washing or, or, or sanctifying or dedicating. That second word is pala, wonders, wonders. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. Pala. You guys say pala. Turn to your neighbor say pala. Wonders, consecrate, consecrate, wonders, kharash, pala. These are the words that he's using, right? And this word, consecrate, Israel would have used this kind of language before going to the temple or before making a sacrifice or an offering. They would have had to cleanse and purify and and consecrate themselves. And so in this specific instance, when Joshua is saying, hey, consecrate yourselves before we go, he's actually telling them, "Here's, here's what we need to do in this moment. You need to take a bath and refrain from sex, 
take a bath and don't have sex. That's what he's literally telling the, the people to do before they cross the Jordan is wash up, clean yourselves, and refrain from sex before we go. Take a bath, don't have sex. Those are kind of two things we try to teach in student ministry, but that's just beside the point. That's nothing. I'm sorry. All my students up here are like, oh my gosh, no. Um, but, 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 this, but, but this word consecrate, right? For us, it, it literally means to dedicate, to commit, to set yourself apart for a godly, a divine purpose. To commit yourself to God. And then there's wonders, pala. And that word was used all throughout scripture to describe marvelous, miraculous, unexpected, difficult, challenging things. And I love how those two words are paired together because one has to do with us. The other has to do with God. When we consecrate, commit ourselves, dedicate ourselves to what God is doing, then we get to be a part of and witness the wonders that are taking place. When we commit ourselves to his word, we're going to experience the wonders that he has in store for our lives. When we commit ourselves to his church and building the church, we're going to see the wonders that he has in store for this place and for this city. When we commit and and dedicate and consecrate ourselves to his people and loving his people, we're going to see wonders done in this their lives. I want us, we need to be people of consecration, people who are committed and dedicated to what God is doing. And then we can celebrate in the wonders that are happening here. Do you guys want to see some wonders in this church and in the city and in your family and in your lives and in your homes and in your businesses and in your dreams? I want to dream big dreams and I want to dedicate myself to God saying, hey, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm committing. I'm going to be here the rest of the series. I'm going to be here the rest of the month. I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to build this church. I'm going to love my people. I'm going to love my family. I'm going to love the people I work with. I'm just going to commit to being, to being used and being a servant and trusting God. I'm going to commit to be here and trust him with my generosity and trust him with my, with my business dreams and my finances. And in doing so, Paula wonders. Our God is the God of wonders. And the the passage continues on as Joshua leads them across the Jordan. This is what it says in Joshua 3, starting in verse 14. When the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water... Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the sea of Araba, the salt sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. I love what it says there. At the time of harvest, the Jordan overflows all its banks. Meaning that even on their own power, it would have been impossible for Israel to cross the Jordan. The water was high, the tides were rising, and it would have been uncrossable for the Israelites on their own to walk through the Jordan. But remember, our God is a wonder-working, marvelous, miracle-making God. 
And the priests are the ones who, who, who are leading the way, right? The priests would have been chosen select people. They were the only people who were allowed to touch the ark. No one else could touch it. And so Joshua sends them first, and they're holding the ark of the covenant. This is what the ark would have looked like. Um, it's not just in Indiana Jones. This is legit. Um, and, and they're carrying this ark, and they've got the two beams on either side so that it can rest on the shoulder of the priests. And so you've got two guys in the front holding it here, and then there's two guys in the back holding it there. And so those four guys carrying the ark are leading the way. Now, the Ark of the Covenant in these days represented God's presence. If the Ark was with Israel, then God was with Israel. Wherever the Ark was, there was the presence of God. And so, so if the Ark was with them, they were in God's presence. They were in God's hands. And so I want you to notice, as the priests step in first, they're really representative of the Ark. So who was it that went into the water first? Come on, help me out. Who stepped into the water first? The priest with the ark representing God. And so in the midst of chaos, in the midst of uncrossable, unpassable, unbeatable, unpredictable, unimaginable, can't happen, impossible, right? The water's overflowing. God is the one leading the way. God is the one who is, who is stepping in to Israel's situation and he's saying, hey, go ahead, I'm making a way. And the waters part unexplainable, and Israel walks across on dry ground. You see, God will never lead you anywhere that he hasn't been before. He won't take you anywhere that he's not going to make a way. If he calls you to something, he's going to call you through it. If he calls you to it, he will bring you through it and out of it successfully. God is stepping in to the midst of whatever our Jordan looks like, our chaos, whatever fear is before us. God is stepping in the midst and he's making a way for you and for me. And he's saying, I got you. Don't worry, I'm gonna prepare a way. I'm gonna make a way for you to get across whatever it is, whatever's going on in your life, whatever your situation looks like right now. No matter how chaotic it looks, I'm in the midst of your situation and I'm here and I'm making a way. And I love what it says that they were standing firmly. Because in a place that looks shaky and unpromising and, and full of doubt and fear, God is standing firmly. He is firmly standing for you, firmly standing in your corner, firmly standing in your home, firmly standing in the midst of whatever it is that you are going through. This is why they laid 12 stones. They lay 12 stones in the middle of the river, one to signify God's providence, God making a way. But then they also go and lay 12 stones at the end in Gilgal, the city that's at the edge of the Jordan, one to represent God's faithfulness. So a stack of stones to say, to say God was here, God was in the midst, God made a way, and then a stack here to say God was faithful, and he brought us through it. See, what the Israelites forgot in this moment leading up was that God had done this before. This wasn't unheard of. This wasn't weird for God. Just years before this, God did the same thing for the Israelites led by Moses, and he parts the Red Sea when they're escaping Egypt. And so in this same moment, why would Israel forget? 
It's the same God that was with them then, and it's the same God that's with them now. And so some of us need to be reminded and to remember that the same God then, the same God who who has done things in our lives is going to be there again and again. If he's done it before, he'll do it again, and he will meet you there again. So what is that stone for you? Where does God need to meet you? Where do you need to set up stones? Where do you need to lay rocks for God and say, God, you were here. God, I'm trusting you with everything that I have, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it seems foolish. God, I'm building an altar of broken, marred stones, and I'm giving myself to you. I'm consecrating myself to you, and I'm trusting, God, that you will make a way. Maybe it's in your families, and you got to trust God that it doesn't look good right now. It's not promising. And, and yeah, there was a fight on the way to church. And, and, and yeah, yeah, I don't know what, what the kids are getting into. And yeah, I'm pretty nervous about what's going on. But I'm going to trust God because he's faithful and because he's good and because he's a provider. I'm going to trust God with my finances. Some of us checked our bank account before we came in and we're pretty stressed out about some bills we got to pay. But we got to trust God. Hey, God, you're a provider. You're faithful. You're going to get me through it. Maybe it's with a sin. And we got a certain sin. And we got to trust God. Hey, I can't see to fight it. I can't seem to get over it, but God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that you'll make a way because that's who you are. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. Come on. Is anybody, is anybody not where they were? Can we praise God for bringing us out of something? Maybe it's your anxiety or your depression, or maybe it's your loneliness and you're afraid to trust God, but we got to lay down these stones and we got to say, God, I'm remembering you. I'm going to remember that you're the God who made a way. And so here you are. Take my sin, take my life, Take my family, take my marriage, take my money. Have it all, God. You made a way. He's in the midst of your situation. He's in the midst of your struggle. He's in the midst of your pain. And you may feel broken, but he's a God who makes you whole again. And in this life, you may have trouble, but take heart. He's overcome the world. He's in the midst. Somebody say, he's in the midst with me. He's in the midst with me. Can we praise God for coming in and making a way? He's in the midst. And that is why we remember. That is why we praise God. Because he made a way. Because he's here with us. He's fighting for you. He's walking alongside you. He's stepping in. He's saying, go ahead. I'll do it before I'm going to do it again. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be good to you. I love you. And I'm making a way. Whatever that looks like, wherever, whatever your stone is, I can't decide it for you today. you got to figure out where it is. Where does God need to meet me again? Where can I trust God? Where can I praise God for making a way, for giving me an out when it didn't make sense, when all the odds were stacked against me? But God did marvelous, miraculous, wonderful things. God is making a way. I love the ministry that we have here called Celebrate Recovery. They meet every Monday night, and this is exactly what they do. They celebrate God making a way. In their lives, in their families' lives, they gather to celebrate God making a way. No matter what their hurts, habits, or hangups are, they're coming to God saying, God, make a way in me. And tomorrow night, we're actually having a Celebrate Recovery open house. And I want to invite you guys to come. Anyone is welcome. It's going to start at 6.30. We're going to have dinner. Um, We're going to have worship. And I'm actually going to be preaching a message on living authentically and living freely 
in Jesus. And I want to invite you guys there. I want, I want you guys to see this ministry in action and how we can become people alongside them and celebrate the God who makes ways. But you see, this, this altar, this, this moment, these stones, they represented so much more than just this specific situation. They weren't just for the people in this moment. See, after Israel had crossed and Joshua had led them and after they laid the stones, Joshua gathers his people. And this is what he says to him. We're jumping back to verse four, starting in, chap- in chapter four, starting in verse 21. Joshua said to the people, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know that Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. You shall let your children know that God made a way in our house, that God made a way in my business, that God made a way where I was fearful. You shall let your children know that God made a way. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to you at the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the people of the earth may know. All the people. All means all. See, God doesn't just get you through something for yourself. God doesn't save you for you. He saves you for everybody else around you. He saves you for all the people that you will encounter. That's who God saves you for. He saves you to reach them. He saves you to teach them. He saves you to walk through life with them, to live that out so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. See, we are to live as a testimony. This was to serve, that every time God's people would walk by it, they would know, hey, that's where my great, 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 great granddaddy walked through the Jordan River and God made a way. That's, that's, that's where God made a way for them. And that's the same God I have today. And so whatever our moment is, whatever our situation is with God, we've got to trust him. We've got to believe. We've got to remember so that other people can cling to that same faith, that same God. So how are you living? At work, how are you living? At home, how are you living? When your kids or your spouse says something that kind of irritates you, how are you living? When you're sitting in traffic and you're getting pretty ticked off, how are you living? How are you responding? How, how, how are you living at the restaurant when the bill comes? How are you living in the fast food drive through How are you living? How are you living when it comes to your house, when it comes to your sin? How are you living when it comes to the people that you interact with every single day? How are you living? We need to be people who live as testimony to what God has done. And everything we do should point back to the goodness and the faithfulness of that God who made a way for us and can make a way for them. How are you living? One way that we can live out this testimony is through baptism. Maybe you've been baptized and maybe you haven't. And you feel like the next step in your faith is to do that. And I want to encourage you to, to step into that fully. In a couple weeks, we're going to have our baptism weekend. And we want to celebrate with you. We want to walk through whatever God is doing in your life. And be there for you as you say yes to Jesus. As you say yes to the things that he has in store for you. This is how we live that out. And maybe it's your time. It's your time to finally say, all right, I'm in. I'm done running, God. I'm in. Take my life. Have it all. I'm yours. You see, I was, I was reading up on 
on memory network. It's, it's, it's kind of how we remember things, why, why we forget things or how we can cling to things and, and, and use them as memories. And there's three parts to your memory network. The first part is encoding. That's kind of when you first hear something and actually filter it and take it in. That's where I struggle when it comes to the grocery list. I'm not actually paying attention or listening. Uh, the second part is consolidation. Consolidation is kind of the glue that sticks it, that keeps it all together, that kind of keeps it in your memory. And then the third part of your memory network is called retrieval. Everybody say retrieval. Retrieval is the act of actually going back to that memory, whether it's focusing on it or, or, or using it or telling it. It's almost like if, if you asked me to tell a joke or a story, I would probably pick from a select few that, I've, that you may have already heard because those are the go-to jokes, right? The more I say that story, the more I, I share that with you, the stronger that memory actually becomes. And so that would become my go-to. And the same goes for us when it comes to our relationship with God. We are to retrieve that memory. We are to constantly be going back to what we've experienced, constantly be going back and retrieving and getting that memory and bringing it to the front of our brain and, and, and acknowledging it. That's why it's so important that we're here every week, that we can gather together and worship together, whether you're online or in Pewaukee or, or in Waukesha, wherever it is, that we can become one, that we can worship together because it actually makes the moment, the memory, it actually makes it stronger the more we come back to it. That's why it's so important to get in our word so that we can remember what God has done every single time. That's why it's so important to share what God has done in your life. That's why it's so vital that we need to live lives of testimony that point to that memory, that point to that moment of God being faithful. Go back, retrieve it, bring it to light, share it with others, live it out in your life. Let's be people who retrieve what God has done and share it with others. The one thing we do here every single week is we take communion. And this is the ultimate act of remembering what God has done. In a moment, the ushers are going to come forward and they're going to pass the trays and you'll grab a double cup. There's going to be bread and juice. And that bread represents Christ's body that on the cross was broken and marred for you. And that juice represents his blood that was poured out in love for you. And we do this every single week so that we can remember the goodness of God, so that we can lean into him, so that we can trust him and go back to that moment that he took up the cross for us. So may we live lives of remembrance for the God who is faithful, for the God who is good, for the God who loves us. And may we remember to share those moments with others, to live our lives as testament to what God has done and what God will do. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we recognize that we are unworthy. God, we don't deserve it. We'll never earn it. But still, you love us. God, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of foolishness, in the midst of running away from you time and time again, you're faithful time and time again. God, would you remind us today of how much you love us? God, would you remind us of the things that you want to do in our lives and in our families' lives and in our businesses? God, would we lean into you? Would we trust you? Would we believe that there is more for us 
God, would we consecrate and dedicate ourselves to you, believing and expecting those wonders that you have in store for us. God, you're a miracle-working, marvelous-making, wonderful God. And we love you and praise you for that. So may we never, ever forget it. In Jesus' name, amen.